Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to the series Walking by the Spirit by Teaching Pastor Daryl Feimster. Okay, this is going to be recorded and hopefully going to be a podcast. Uh, Amanda's going to put it online so that you can go back and listen to it. So I realize a lot of you are going to be taking notes and things like that, but I really want to invite you just to listen by the Spirit this morning. Because it's going to be a podcast, there's going to be things, but I really invite you, because this is an activation. It's real easy. In fact, we will default on our thinking. Most of us have been brought up, we've been taught an educational system. And uh, the way God teaches us is a lot different than the way the world teaches us. All right? So what we're going to talk about this morning is the difference between soul and spirit, or spirit and soul. And uh, Romans 8, 1 is kind of the overwhelm, the overarching theme. Paul says in Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I want to read it from the Amplified. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no adjudging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this statement. Who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. God created mankind in His image. He created us tripart, three parts. Uh, Genesis 1.27 says God created man in His own image. In the image and likeness of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. I have three circles on the board up here, and, and you're going to see, you've seen this all before. I'm, I want to make it emphasize this morning. What I wish I could do is in 3D. Because that center circle is spirit. The next circle would be soul, which is mind, will, and emotion. And the outer circle is body. What I wish this could be, you've seen those 3D where it just kind of comes out. The center of how God created us is to be a spiritual being. But He formed us flesh. He breathed into us the breath of life, which is spirit. Okay? And so if you can see this as kind of the center, the pullback, the next thing on the outer ring would be the soul, and the next thing out there would be the body of how we relate to the world. All right? And what I want you to see is God intended the spirit to be the center, the ruling part of our being. And it, your spirit works through your soul, through your body, to manifest what God intends. All right? <clears throat> In Genesis 1, that's the way we were created. And here's another big statement. Man was created to derive life from another source. You were created a derivative being. There is no such thing, and this is, gonna, this is where it sometimes offends, there is no such thing as being independent, that I'm my own person, I'm my own creation. You are the conglomeration of what has formed you, 
over the years. Now, you may have pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps, but somebody formed you in those early years, did so, and you have become, you just didn't start out that way. Is that making sense? Okay. All I'm trying to say is that God created us spirit, soul, and body. And he created it. He breathed into us the breath of life. And this is important because we are a derivative creation. Man was to get his being from the spirit. And so when Adam and Eve in Genesis sinned, it was not just in eating the forbidden fruit, but believing and responding to the wrong spirit. Satan was a spiritual being too. And he said, if you eat this, God knows your eyes will be opened and you'll be like him. It was a lie because they were already like him. He got them to respond to him and act through their soul and body in such a way that was not according to who God created them to be. He said, in the the day that you do it, you're going to die. Now, how did they die? They didn't die physically immediately. They didn't die in their, in their soul. They died in the spiritual part. Now, when, when we use the word death in English, we think of bury. <laughs> dead, no longer breathing. You bury them in the ground because they're dead. Corpse. When the Bible uses the word dead, it talks about the absence of God's life. Dead is the absence of God's life. It's kind of like God took his breath out of them. He didn't, they didn't cease to be a spiritual being. God created us this way. But now they responded to the wrong spirit, and now their emotions, they were afraid. They began to, they saw themselves, they saw themselves naked and were ashamed. Ashamed is an emotion. Naked was an observation. Suddenly they began to see themselves other than way they had seen themselves when when they were walking and talking with God. They were getting their information from the wrong spirit. You know, follow me? Okay. So sin is not what we do. Sin is why we do it. So they began to blame They began to do those things. Sin is why we do it. We're listening to the wrong spirit. And a man, every man from Adam and Eve was born, and here's the the scripture, you'll recognize it, dead in trespasses and sin. Well, you weren't born dead physically. You were born with the absence of life in your spirit man that would make you what God intended. Jesus came, born the way he was born, of a virgin, His father was not Adam. His father was God. And so he was born spiritually alive. Now he grew up and he began to discover who he was. Because he was soul and body. But he was responding to what God birthed him with, with his spirit. Okay? Now, this is important because if you don't understand, that's why when Jesus died for us, he could give us what he had. When he went to the cross and he died, 
he not only died physically and he not only died that he died spiritually in our place. He took our death, which was the absence of God's life, and he paid for it on a cross. In order that we now could be born from above, born anew, become spiritually alive to God the way he created us to be. If you're born again, you were spiritually alive to God. Okay? If you drop on down in Romans chapter 8, Romans 8 verse 9, I'm going to read it from the message translation just so it it kind of rings a little little more language like you will understand. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed the invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. That's an incredible translation. Of those verses, the message translation. And I realize yours is saying it different, but I, what I want you to catch is that God himself comes and joins in union with your spirit. And you become alive to God in a way you've never been before. Now, the, the deal is that we're alive to God in our spirit. And it is to be the rule of our life. If we're to live out of our spirit. But most of us, because we were born with the wrong spirit, learn to live out of our soul and the appetites of our body. Here's scripture words that you'll understand. Carnality. Have you ever heard of carnality? Well, you're just carnal. Well, carnality is just the soul living by its own appetites. Self-promotion. Self-demonstration. I'm living for me. And so, I don't care how this makes you feel. It made me feel good. <laughs> That's living. The body, it's called flesh. The body, uh, it's living by the appetites of the flesh. Okay? Now, most of us, that's why uh, a two-year-old, who's, who's it all about for a two-year-old? Me. Me. Mine. It's yeah. mine. And I don't care who else has it. They're going to get it. It's Mm-hmm. And and whatever you know the flesh wants, it gets. Those are words. We are either living by the spirit, we're carnal, or we're fleshly. We're living by the appetites of the flesh, and these two can will intermingle. Okay. Now, <clears throat> the reason I'm saying all of this is I've got to lay the foundation because what we're going to talk about in here is we're talking about walking by the spirit, not according. To the soul or the flesh. Now, you don't walk by the Spirit spiritually. You walk by the Spirit through your soul, through your flesh. God is trained. Here's the thing I discovered. When I became born again, I got everything I needed to be everything God wanted. Here's, I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away, everything become new. But here's the problem. 
I still was in this body with my soul, my training, my background, my education. Okay? And so I found out that all of a sudden there's this war. Now, at first, when you're first born again, you're not even aware of the war because it is so exciting and so new, and God is so real. You remember how real God was when you were first born again? And I want to tell you, I mean, everything was, the the, green, the, the trees were greener, and the, you know, everything was changed, and, and you were excited, you discovered something, you felt clean, you, all of these things. And then you began to live in this life, and suddenly... Clouds start rolling in and those kind of things because all of a sudden now I'm in a war of what I want and what God wants. What I'm feeling and what God says I ought to be feeling. Or really God, it's not about feeling with God. It's Feelings are God's way of blessing you after you respond to the Spirit. But in all of this, and, and what I want to say is here's the problem that we run into. When we were growing up, we grew up. Well, let me use a scripture to help. Sit. First, First Thessalonians five twenty three says this. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. May your whole body, soul, and spirit be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus. Now I misquoted that verse. May you be sanctified, set apart, body, soul, and spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, may, be, may you be sanctified spirit, soul, and body. He puts it in right order. I grew up in wrong order. Body, soul, spirit. And a lot of things, when we start talking about walking by the spirit, what we tend to do is we tend to put spirit last. Because we were educated, trained to walk by body, soul, spirit. And God intends us to walk spirit, soul, body. And First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, and I'll get to 24 in a minute. But the whole point I'm trying to make is, and here's the war. We, were, we grew up... We grew up, we're educated to respond to our thinking, our mind, to use our wills. So, so I'm going to spend the next 40 minutes now, we're going to get practical of what I'm talking about, okay? So, let's define some terms. What is spirit? What is spirit? Our spirit, you were uh, created with a human spirit that derived its life from a, another spiritual source. Either God or the evil one. Okay? And our spirit, according to Scripture, and I'm not going to, man, I wish I could. We could take probably a month just to talk about the Scriptures here. Our spirit, the human spirit, when you trust Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior, God comes and births you from above. You are born and you become one in spirit with him. Now, you're not God, but God has included you in him. Okay? You don't become a God when you're born again. But God includes you in his godness. 
You become one in spirit with him. You become, in the scripture word, is you become in union. You are spiritually in union with God himself. That is an amazing statement. And uh, it is the part of you, the spirit is the part of you that is eternal. It communes with God himself, and it only has dealings with him now, if you're born again. Your spirit is not talking to the devil. Your devil, the devil now, the only place he can get you is through your soul. You are spiritually alive to God. And let me just say this. The devil doesn't want in your spirit where God is. He wants in your flesh and in your soul. He wants to keep you from expressing the spirit that God's already given you. Now, I believe with all of my heart, you are spiritually whole. All right? You're a new creation. Now, this is the point I want you to say. But I'm going to spend the rest of my life discovering what I got when I got him. Because I'm going to discover how this spirit lives through my soul and my body. That's how we walk by the Spirit. You'll spend the rest of your life in an awesome discovery of who you are and what God can do. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the weeks. Uh, it's the place inside us that cannot be touched by anything out in the world because it's alive in the presence of God. It's the safest place on earth is in your spirit. You are alive to God. God is resident in you. Now let me ask you, who can handle that? The world can't, the devil can't throw anything at you that you're not absolutely safe in the presence of God. That's why Jesus could just be himself no matter what was being said at him, what was coming at him. He knew who he was. Now, I'll tell you something. This is amazing to me. Jesus discovered who he was the same way you and I discover who we are. He just had a, an, a, a, an advantage. He had an advantage. Here, here was his only advantage. Uh, he believed that God was his father. You see, most of us have a hard time believing, really believing and catching hold of that I am one in spirit life with God. Jesus had no problem believing that. At 12 years old, remember when he was in the temple? I must be about my father's business. Who was his father? God. Joseph. <laughs> no? If I were to ask you who your father is, you see, the first thing we're going to go through is our soul. I've got to get the right answer. The right answer. My, my father was Elmer. That's my dad's name. But no, I've been born again. I've been born from above. I have an, I'm a new creation. My father is God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. There's a lot of these new agers that say, well, that, what you're saying is you're God. No, I'm not saying that. I was a creation that's been born from above. And now I'm in union with God. He's included me in himself. Okay. That spirit, it's the safest place on earth. Because this is going to be important because what we're going to talk about, when you get in trouble, where do you go? Right, so I can't be God. 
Yeah. Why don't we just back up into who we are spiritually? It's the safest place. Whenever all hell's breaking loose everywhere else, I can back up into who I am in Him. It's the safest place. And then live out from that. Okay? It's living out from who I am. I don't live out there into who I am. Okay? What is soul? The soul is that part of us, personality, reasoning, choices, feelings, experiences, memories, learning. The, the Bible, the Greek word is suke. We get our word psychology. Mind, will, and emotion is probably the most traditional way that it's said. It's where we live from and with who we lived with from birth. Uh, all experiences, lessons, tragedy, they formed a way of living in this world. Our soul is not our enemy, though. Now, here's the thing. When I got saved, then I said, I've got to put to death this soul. I've got to put this thing to death. i got to put... Th- no, the soul is just who you are as the sum of all your experiences and learning. <clears throat> in fact, you're, when you were born again, your soul fell in love with Jesus too. But here's the, here's the thing. The soul is impressed with Jesus, but he still wants to be in control. In other words, we like the idea of God. We like the idea of being spirit-filled and walking by the Spirit. We like that idea, but when it really comes down to the nitty-gritty, I want what I want. The soul is all about who's in control. Am I in control? And how many of you know that the key thing in humanity is to be in control? Just be under control. Just get everything under control. In fact, for me to be in control, I've got to control you. Because if I don't control you, you might mess up my control. And so the whole point is we've grown up living in this soul life. And now we have a spirit that's saying there's another way. And the soul loves another way as long as it gets to choose. And it gets to decide. And it gets to say who's going to be in charge. And this whole thing about lordship of Jesus... Lordship is not something that takes place out here in the world. Lordship is something that takes place in your spirit, between your spirit and your soul. Am I going to let God have absolute control of my choices, of my ways, of my things? And that's where that, that pit is. It's between my spirit, which is who I am in Christ, and my soul of what Daryl would really like. All right? When we receive Christ, our soul was excited. It loves God. It's unfortunately set in its ways by life experience. Our soul wants to meet God on its own terms. I want, I want God to do things for me, but I want to run my own life. And the soul fights to stay in control, and I'll show you more about that in just a minute. It's not evil. And I, I want to say another thing. It's not your old nature. It's not your old man. It's just your old habits. It has no power other than the habitual power that it's had over you for years. The soul is in submission to God in your spirit 
to the place of your will. Your will is in your soul, and you have to choose between your spirit and your soul. So your soul still participates in allowing the spirit to be in control. It has to submit. When I say has to, it's a choice. God didn't make us robots to where the Spirit's just going to dictate what you're going to do. No, the Spirit influences, the Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit does, but you respond. And let me tell you, the best thing to do is learn how to use your will instead of your mind and emotions. Okay? Your Spirit is where truth is, where wisdom is. Your soul is where knowledge is. How many of you know there's a battle between knowledge and wisdom? (laughs) I know I shouldn't say this, but. (laughs) I just went from wisdom (laughs) to knowledge. Okay. Is this making sense? Is it? Okay. I I know I'm going. I'm overloading. The soul, it it fights to stay in control. Uh, It's born again with old habits that must be transformed by the spirit. Carnality is living by the appetites of the soul, running our lives by the soul and not by the spirit. Uh, the soul really wants to live for God. But its problem is it doesn't want to relinquish control because it, here's what your soul feels. If I give up that, I'll be hurt. If I give up that, I won't know who I am. If I give up that, if I go that direction, I'm not sure what the end's going to be. And if I can't determine what the end's going to be, I don't know that I want to go there. So the, the soul is always second-guessing, trying to figure out, trying to use your mind and your logic and your education and your experiences. And let me tell you, remember, where's the safest place on earth? It's in your spirit. But your spirit is not going to dictate to your soul. It it influences, it gives opportunity, it speaks truth and wisdom. And now I have, your will is the vehicle by which you let your spirit rule over your soul. It's where you choose to submit your soul to the spirit. And that's key. God, here's here's the bottom line, God intends us to live inside out. Most of us live outside in. Okay? The will, the place of choice, is the vehicle whereby we check our feelings and perceptions with the Holy Spirit before acting on them. If our thought life and emotions are more active than our will, the tendency is for us to break down into our carnality and not be released into our God-given spirituality. And I want to say something, most of us. A lot of us, the faith we have is an emotion. I believe what I feel. And I want to say to you right up front, biblical faith is cold-blooded. It believes truth. It, it, emotions is not a part of faith. Now, thank goodness emotions can come after faith. But that just that essence of believing God. Let me tell you, when you received Jesus, it wasn't because you figured, it may have been you used your mind, but let me tell you, when you receive Jesus, you receive him by the choice of your spirit. 
And, and let me tell you, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in you that opens your eyes. You see, yes, it involves your soul, but you make a choice to receive him when you don't know anything else. And you're made alive, and God does the work. You didn't have anything but just believing the whole, the hard truth. And then after you believed it, you wonder, did I really believe it? Did I, you know? <laughs> Why? Because your soul gets involved and starts to second guess. Am I going to be in control? How's this going to work out? Are you going to be baptized? What's that going to be like? You hear all those voices? Okay, now, <clears throat> many of us let our emotions, we become prisoners to our emotions. Others become prison, prisoners to their reasoning or their logic. Okay, that's all in soul. And, uh, and, and, and let me tell you, a lot of arguments against the spirit-filled life all are in the soul. Okay? Well, I'm not sure I believe that. That's so. In your spirit, let me tell you, revelation happens in your spirit and it comes out your soul. Revelation is God saying something to you and you don't even have a framework to put it on immediately. You've read a scripture a hundred times and all of a sudden you read the scripture and something leaps in your spirit. And it doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I mean, I thought I understood this. I didn't know where this come from. And now, and now the Spirit then gives us, and it unfolds through your soul and is expressed and manifests through your body. So you become something you were not because you responded to your Spirit. You walked by the Spirit. Okay, so let's talk about this practically. We've got 20 minutes. This is the activation part. So let's go through some things that uh, let, let's do. We're talking about wisdom and knowledge. Let me just give you some example. Wisdom comes from God, and let me tell you this: your soul does not comprehend the ways of God. Has God ever surprised you? <laughs> Have you ever said, "Why is this happening this way?" I don't understand. Okay, wisdom comes from God. Knowledge comes from learning. Most of us walk by our knowledge, not by wisdom. I'm talking about me too. Why? Because I was educated, and there's educators in here. I am not knocking the education system because it's only got what it's got to work with. It's got information, it's got science, it's got logic, it's got these, and it can teach you, and it's learned how the soul learns. But what the the educational system cannot give you is to make you spiritually alive. But let me tell you, have you ever discovered that the, the third grade educated person can have the wisdom of God? Yeah. And they can floor, Jesus at 12 years old, floored the teachers of Israel. Because they had knowledge. Jesus had wisdom. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Do we live our Christian life by knowledge or by wisdom? By what we should and shouldn't do or by the direction of the Holy Spirit? So we're talking about walking by the Spirit. So let's, let me just, let me, let me give you an example. Knowledge is produced by previous experience. And here's the problem with knowledge. It can plateau. 
And you can live off the knowledge you learned all through high school and through experience. And you can just stop right there. Many Christians sit in a pew every Sunday and they plateaued in their knowledge of God. You ask, you talk about being born again, they know what you're talking about. They can answer all your questions. They can tell you. Are they living it? No, they're probably living by their soul and living by the world, by their flesh. Okay? Living by how much money they got in the bank. Living by this. Not by the wisdom of God. Now, now what's the difference? One is walking by the Spirit and one is just walking by the experiences of life. Walking by the soul. Okay, preacher, how you how can you how can you say that? Let me ask you a question. When you have we have a bookkeeper here. When money gets short and you don't know and what's your immediate thoughts when money gets short? What did I do to mess up? I wished I'd have started saving a long time ago. Okay, who are we dealing with? It? We're dealing with our mind, our thinking. We're dealing with our emotions. Oh, man, look where I've got myself. Oh, what's going to happen now? And we make choices. So I choose to cut back for a time. <laughs> okay, all I'm saying is where are we living out of? We're living out of our soul. Okay, what if when this thing come up and all of a sudden you realize I'm in a financial bind, what if you backed up into the safest place of the one who is your provider and said, okay, God, we're in this. This does not affect who I am in you. doesn't affect on whether I'm going to be provided for or not because you've already promised. doesn't matter whether... You know, so what am I to do? What am I to see? Well, how am I to respond? And now, I'm, I'm, here's the reality we call reality, and I've now stepped up to the higher reality. And now I'm gonna, I'm gonna love and respond and live from the higher reality. Now my spirit is gonna work through my soul. Where God's going to either open doors, He's going to show me things, He's going to lead me in a way. All of a sudden, I'm walking by my spirit and not by my soul. Follow me? The hardest thing to do is to do that first. Because I have to use my will to make my soul and all that I see and how my flesh is feeling and, and all these things coming. But I have to back, and I'm using the word back up. You don't have to go anywhere. You already, that's who you are. That's the safest place on earth. He's there. He's present with you all the time. You're never without him. But I'm using the term back up to give you something physical to see. That right here, all of this is just falling apart. But I back up. And I commune with the one who is present with me. And now I let that communion, that common union that I have in him, now I listen to that. And I respond to that. Next week we're going to talk about how you do that with the scripture.
But this has to be a first choice going to the Spirit. You're hitting a very raw subject for me because I made a terrible decision this week and I made it in the soul. Now, I got a good word for you. Good, give it. There is therefore now no condemnation. Yes, I know it. Now, see, now, so how are you dealing with your failure? Are you dealing with it in the soul or are you dealing with it in your spirit? I'm not dealing with it. Let me say this. Because here's the thing. Guess what the enemy loves to do when you haven't acted by the Spirit? He loves to jump on you, condemn you, make you feel like you've blown it. You've not blown it. The safest place to go when you've made a wrong choice is back into your spirit. But see, okay, there's a point. That's the safest place to go. But you need to go there first. Mm -hmm. And you're learning to do that, aren't you? I hope so. So, (laughs) you know, where do we learn? Your soul learns by experience. Okay? And I want to give you some good news. God is not worried about your wrong choices. There is therefore now, in your situation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The safest place. You are absolutely, eternally secure in who you are in Christ. Now, you're going to spend the rest of your life discovering that. With all the other things that goes on in your life. (laughs) God is not condemning us. He, He bought us. He came to live himself in us. He looks at you the same way he looks at Jesus. Because Jesus is in you. He feels about you the same way he feels about his son. That's truth. That's in your spirit. Your soul says, well, he doesn't know what. Yes, he does. (laughs) Okay? Now, listen. Our level of wisdom in this is not dependent on intelligence, education, common sense, experience, culture, or age. You hear the whisper of God in your spirit. How did you know that it was the wrong choice? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I back up. Oh, no, God. It's obvious to me that this was not you. Okay. Back up into who you are. God's not going to. Now, God, what do I need to see from this? What, who do you want to show me you are? What do you want to do that I might learn? How to walk not by my emotions or by what somebody else said I ought to be doing. Let me tell you something. Religion thrives in your soul. Do's and don'ts thrive in your soul. Because it makes it feel like I'm in control. I won't do that. I'll do that. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. And none of that, none of that's wrong. Don't hear me. But that's that becomes the source of how we get our meaning. And you get your meaning from your spirit. Okay. Let me show you a prayer. Okay, you need strength. You're going to pray for strength. Okay? Lord, I need I need I need strength. I mean I'm weak, I need strength. Let me show you let me give you two prayers and you tell me which one's soul, which one's spirit, okay? 
Here's the first prayer. Father, I pray that you will strengthen me by your spirit. Enable me to stand in the face of this day and overcome my weakness so that I can fight and break through the circumstances. That's the first prayer. Second prayer. Father, thank you that in my weakness you're a strength. I submit to your rule. I come and be my strength. Live in me and overcome me. Overcome me with your power. Inhabit these circumstances and glorify your name in all your children. In, in all your all you achieve. The first one is our soul, and the second one is the spirit. Let me ask you: When you pray, are you praying about you? No. Are you praying about God? What God's doing? What God's promised? Man, I have me right up on top level. God, I need to know what to do in this situation. I need to know. Lord, show me. Give me a word. God, you get you know. And it's all about me getting something from God. I'm living out of myself. Okay, I back up into God, and I say, God, you are in me the soul full sufficiency of what I need to be and what I need to do. So would you show me, would you show me what you are doing here and how I participate? Would you give me revelation? Not so I'll have more information, but revelation so I'll know how to respond Correctly in this situation. Whether the situation turns out or not is not the issue. The issue is what you're doing in me and what you're doing in the situation and will you receive glory. Show me how to walk through this. And I'm using the word me again, but I'm using it from the sense that I'm getting my life from you. Come live in me in a way. Uh, Here's the big one and we'll close on this one. And the reason I'm going to all of this is for you to to be able to see the difference of of how we walk, whether we're walking by soul or by spirit. Okay, so this is foundational for everything. We're going to be talking about this next week. We're going to be talking about this the third week. We're going to, all this because it's amazing to me if we can learn how to step into who we are in Christ identity. That's why you'll hear a lot of different words. But all of this is learning how to know, hear, and respond to Jesus. First, you're right. But let me tell you, if I don't do it first, do it second. If you don't do it first or second, do it third. If you don't do it third, do it whatever number you need. But you're going to learn, walking by the Spirit is learning to step back into your who you are spiritually in union with him and learning how to live out from there. Because here's the thing. God is right now transforming you by renewing your mind. Don't be transformed by the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he's doing it by him spiritually alive in you. Now, uh, one last one, and this is the one that really is key to everything. How do you view yourself in your relationship to God? Now, I want you, I know we're in a church class. We're in Sunday. This is Sunday. Tomorrow morning when you get up late and you didn't have time for your quiet time and you didn't read your Bible. And you didn't do those things. You didn't even have. You didn't even think about praying because you were in a hurry. 
How do you feel about yourself? Well, I told them that I'm his favorite. Uh-huh. But so is everybody in this room. Mm-hmm. And that's how you really feel about yourself. And so when you blew, when you blew it, you feel really good about who you are and how everything's going. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Is what we tend to do is we tend to view ourselves by our soul. Yes. And we can learn, and I'm not picking on Betty, but we can learn how to say it right and feel different. I've learned how to confess it, and I'm hoping if I confess it that way, it'll be true. That's backwards. I confess it because it is true. Alright? God loves you unconditionally. I want you to hear this. God loves you unconditionally. That means there is no condition with God for His love for you. Our soul says, I can't, um, I can't see how that is. <laughs> I can't figure that out because I don't love unconditionally. I love when, I love if, I love because. <coughs> God loves you because He is love and because He chose. You're His favorite because He chose you. Not because of you. God loves me unconditionally. Because that's the way he is, and he doesn't change. And if he loved me while I was a sinner, before Jesus, before I was saved, he loved me the same. I want you to hear me. He loved you as much before you were saved than after you were saved. Because he's love. How many of us think he loves us more now than he did before we were saved? For God so loved the world that he gave us only the God Son. That was before we were saved. So if he loves it that way, then he loves those that I don't love that way. He loves those people that hurt me. So he's probably not going to answer my prayer to get them. <laughs> okay. Until our true self is released to be loved and accepted... It will protect itself from harm. Do you realize sometimes your soul tries to protect you from God? Mm-hmm. With religious activity. God, I promise, if you'll just do this, I'll never do this, 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 this again. I've just acted out of my soul trying to make a deal with God so that he'll love me again. He never stopped loving me. God didn't want my deal. He wanted me to receive. He wanted me to respond to him. Until our true self is released to be loved and accepted, it will protect itself from harm. Well, folks, we are living in a humanistic society that requires everyone to love me the way I want to be loved or to receive me the way I want to be received. And it is literally killing us. We've got to learn to walk by the Spirit if we're going to make an impact on the world. The other thing is most of us have uh, built a defense perimeter through our life experience that that we even apply to God. 
we here's the thing. I only allow God to get so close. If you start touching that, I'm, I'm out of here. I know you love me, but. And let me just tell you, this is the place that I think probably is the hindrance. Most. Can I really believe that God loves me and accepts me unconditionally? God accepts me through and because of and in Christ. I am fully loved. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm safe from any threat. I'm abiding in the very pleasure of God. Wrapped up in the Spirit and living in His love, I can be completely unafraid of being hurt. Connie and I have lived together 46 years. I love her more today than I've ever loved her before. But if something was to happen in our love and the way we see, you know, and it's not going to happen. But if something was to happen, I'm going to tell you, I'm completely safe and fully loved, even if I'm rejected by everybody else. How could Jesus take the words that were thrown at him? How could Jesus take and go to the cross? This is because he saw the joy that was set before him. He knew he was safe in the Father's love. When they were nailing him to the tree, he could say, Father, forgive them. Well, they don't know what they're doing. I know what you're doing. Here's the invitation, the activation. Every, when you get up in the morning, am I going to live by the Spirit? Am I going to walk by the soul or the flesh? You can do this to dieting. Am I going to live by, you know, and the whole point, all of this is where, <clears throat> let me finish on this part about love, because First John 4.18 says this. Most of us think the opposite of fear is courage, and the opposite of love is hate. Mm-hmm. Listen to 1 John 4.18. There is, there, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who has who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If the Spirit does not rule over our soul, we'll always require reassurance about our relationship with God. <laughs> Meredith, can I use your illustration I heard about? <laughs> you remember the... Uh, uh, Glow stick? Won't you tell people about the glow stick? What you saw? Meredith in the sixth grade. Tell us about the glow stick. So basically, your life is like a glow stick because basically, a glow stick when it's not broken, it's basically just a stick. It's pointless. Not really fun to play with. It's just there. But when it's broken, that glow stick is fun to play with. It it's like magic. Sometimes God has to break people for us to shine like a glow stick. Okay. When we talk about brokenness, if you've been raised in the church, you're talking about brokenness. Isn't that good? That's that's wisdom. Okay? That's revelation. Now, I'm going to use that because I want you to say, when we brought up in the church have talked about brokenness, we've talked about it in the soul. Okay? What I mean, brokenness is a negative. God's got to break me. God's got to break me. Oh, if he doesn't break me. 
What if brokenness is what the spirit, brokenness, all this brokenness is, is the soul submitting to the spirit. Now here's the thing. If, the, if brokenness is not God doing something bad to me to make me get in line, that's religious brokenness. What if brokenness is me by my will choosing not to do what I wanted to do, but to respond to the spirit? I've broken my desires in order to submit them to his desire. Suddenly that glow stick broken, the soul broken, let's, let me use another term. You're broken wide open. Brokenness allows what is inside to shine outside and manifest what God intended. Instead of brokenness being a downer, it becomes the opportunity for God to do what you really wanted Him to do. It's, uh, thank you, Meredith. The soul is only fully fulfilled and freed when it is depending and receiving from the Spirit. You're broken wide open so that the reality of the inside may glow on the outside and God's work and purpose and glory be revealed. Walking by the Spirit... This morning, here's the big point. Walking by the Spirit is me by my will choosing to make my soul dependent and respond to my spirit. Now, and as I do that, then I involve my soul in the walking it out. I involve my body in the walking it out. It's just what's going to be primary is my spirit. That's why I wish, wish this was in 3D, where the Spirit is the center. You know what the Bible calls the, that center? The heart. When you ask Jesus to save you, where did you ask him to come? Into your heart. Okay. Here's the activation. I'm going to pray that God would make you spiritually aware. And when you're fixing to make a choice, you're fixing to make a decision, you're fixing to just get up and go. That God would give, would allow you to choose to be in the safest place on this earth before you ever make a step anywhere else. The safest place in the, on the earth is in your spirit where God is present. And then, as your soul, in other words, run it by. Well, I got to do this. Okay, wait a minute. God, is this what I got to do? <laughs> Well, the, well, this, they did this to me. Okay, step back. God, before I just react and have an opinion and have a hurt and have a... But God, what are you doing? What is this doing in me? And how do you want me to respond? And I began to live spirit out instead of... And here's the problem. Most of us, we're going to react wrong. You're gonna, this is a process Okay, there's no, it's not a quick fix. It is a process. It's learning to walk by the Spirit. You're going to blow it. You're going to blow it. And there's therefore now no condemnation. Let me read you the last verse of 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Remember we read that he would sanctify you spirit, soul, and body. The next verse in the message says this, verse 24. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, 
He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Feel everyone in this place. Lord, make them spiritually aware of life and safety and your presence. Father, I ask that you would activate them to consider and to walk in your Holy Spirit out of their spirit, through their soul, manifest through their body. Lord, surprise them this week with how this is truth. And then, Lord, help us to know how to give you praise and honor for it and not think it's our good deeds. Lord, we bless you. We thank you. Thank you for this group. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and join us next week for more Walking by the Spirit with Pastor Daryl Feemster.